Guys, I am so excited. I have re-recorded this damn episode six times. The excitement's too much. <laughs> it's irritating the shit out of me. <laughs> but this episode today with the Music Munch, episode two, is all about Beyonce, the Renaissance film. And I just can't get enough. My thoughts are moving like I have a hamster in my mind. Like I really can't sit my black ass down. All right, y'all. I'm going to say this first. You have to go see it. I'm going to make some points that could help you with why I'm saying that. No, they're not. Could they help you? They, they're going to. It's it's a they're going to help you as to, you know, I should get my broke ass on that AMC app and get me and Boo thing a ticket. Why the hell not? That eh, might even put it on four payments. Eh? You got to see it. You have to see it. With this world tour, if you didn't have a chance to go see it in person, you know, at a stadium near you, if you go see it in the movie theater, what you're not going to get when it comes out on streaming services is the experience of really like Dolby Atmos or whatever sound system that they have inside these IMAX theaters that is, all right, I can feel the motherfucking grumblings on my ass cheeks from this tour starting Especially from a song like These Motherfuckers Ain't Stop These Motherfuckers. When you, you trust me when I say you gotta see it in the theater. Some I'm gonna I'm just gonna I'm gonna pull out a lot of different points from designers that, you know, really won for me. You know, what who I really wanna recognize as far as people that are at her team that I think just did such a phenomenal job. A few of the mechanics of the tour that I thought was interesting that she shared. And it's stuff that you also don't think goes into a tour to this magnitude. I, I want to touch on Blue Ivy. That was something that warmed my heart. I kind of cried in that, you know, time when Blue Ivy was up there. And really how she intertwined her family inside of there. So, look, let's just dive in. Something that I know, at least not for myself, but I know a lot of people equate Beyonce to, well, I do equate, I, I do obviously see her this way, is very graceful, very private, you know, and, and what almost feels like perfect. That is all washed away. Beyonce gives a lot of nitty gritty. Now, when I say a lot of nitty gritty, like she's not holding back in the slightest, in the slightest. And so what I'll pull up first as far as, to as far as topics goes, just to kind of relate what I'm saying, inside of the mechanics of just getting the show off the ground, first, it took them four years to build the show's concept out completely. So you think about four years ago, she just dropped Homecoming. She just dropped Homecoming. It was already conceptualizing the Renaissance World Tour. So that in within itself is like, damn, like, girl, you really work around the clock. She did mention, like, before Renaissance came out, that she also wrote um, a lot of the songs during the pandemic because that's where she really just wanted to celebrate and wanted to start feeling liberated because of the circumstances that we were under. But also, there were songs that are on the Renaissance album that were written beforehand. Like, I know Thick was something that was written, like, 10 years ago. And 
the the dream which is someone that she uses all the time he used to also be his own musical artist uh, and, and he's one of her writers he's been writing for her for a long time he wrote like you know um single ladies is one of his biggest ones but he's wrote several of her hits uh mentioned that thick was something from almost 10 years ago but to know that she was already conceptualizing that is one thing but a part of the unfilteredness is she does mention being a woman in the industry and she shows scenes of men that she's working with that are saying things that they can't do or things that are impossible. And what I love is Beyonce does her research. So the things that they're saying is impossible. She's like, no, I know it's possible. Like I looked up the specific, they talked about a camera that I wanted to use a, a wider camera lens for this specific shot. And the photographer said, no, we don't have anything that's bigger than that. Like they don't make anything bigger than that. And she said, I looked it up and there is something that's possible. So give me what's possible. And in her commentary outside of that specific scene, she talks about throughout the industry, men trying to mansplain things to me or trying to push me so hard out of my ideas because it doesn't work for them or because they want to try something different. And because I'm a woman, a woman, they believe for me to just kind of succumb to like what they say. That shit happens to me all the time. And there were seasons where I would get pushed so hard that I would finally say, okay, well, we can just go ahead and try it that way. But I knew what vision I wanted. So when you get to see, and there's more, I just don't want to ruin it for you. See how that unfolds. Beyonce's in there cold blooded. So I know that shit transfers to Jay for motherfucking sure. Okay. Mama not playing. She's about her shit. She's about her business. That's mother. So that's something that I really appreciated. She also mentioned, which we know this about her, Beyonce, she's a Virgo. I'm a Virgo. So I relate to the fact that she's an overanalyzer, very analytical, very critical, very detail-oriented. So when she was putting together the show, of course she would have a stage that is so custom to where those specific materials that she needed to build the stage every time she went into a new you know, state or a new country, they had to be shipped. So they had to create three different stages. So when she was in one city, they were shipping the other two out to other cities or other countries. So they were ready to go to be uh, built. So when she got there, they were never behind schedule. Also building stages for stadiums. What we don't realize is it's an open stadium. There's no roof. So you have to create a stage that is waterproof or almost weatherproof so that it doesn't cause any possible harm to her the team the audience you know etc so the mechanics behind that and the details behind that she obviously does a good job with talking more about so as far as the kind of mechanics and process she just even goes over how exhausted she was because she really does have her hands in everything so when they were conceptualizing what the visuals are going to look like how are they going to intertwine? What is the Renaissance, you know, visuals versus what are previous visuals that I've done in the past that really are cohesive? Mama really had her hand in everything. And something that I got as a piece of merch that also confirms that is there is a really big visual book. And I dropped that hundred dollars. Another one of those dropped the money like I have it. And I dropped the money on the book because it shows you a lot of the behind the scenes sketches and a lot of the concepts and, uh, you know, photography and, you know, what they wanted, the visual and the 
theme and color scheme and patterns to look like that is the Renaissance. So that book also is another confirmation. So the people that got that book, I know you know what I'm talking about of like there was so much in terms of details that she just kind of goes over in the film. That's really it's exciting to hear. It's exciting to be a part of the process. And Beyonce, just like myself, really loves behind the scenes. So it's really cool to see that. So let's kind of get into the people that worked tirelessly. These are the ones that it's like, I just want to recognize them. Some people's names you may know. Some people's names you names you may not know. But let's just go from the, the visuals. Like, and I mean visuals like her as the visual. Like, Beyonce, you are the visual. Her hair never fails. <laughs> Mama always got a good, strong, strong lace. Motherfucker, it's gripped. Gripped on that forehead. Right. Part down the middle. Slanted. Ready for any sort of gust of wind that comes against her. Anything. A tsunami. A storm. But his name is Neil. It's Neil Farnia is, I think, how you say his last name. He is a Trinidadian hairstylist. He's been with her since 2007. And the guy knows what he's doing. He keeps Beyonce in check. And I, I kid you not, and y'all correct me if I'm wrong, like, I'm pretty sure it was D.C. where it rained. It could have given wet dog if that hair wasn't right. Bad hair was a wet and wavy set. It was meant to be. Andarasi. I kid you not, like, he is one of those heroes that you don't always hear about. All of the makeup artists, all of the hairstylists, all the people that kind of go into it. But he's one of those, like, people that I just want to mention. Like, just did such a great job keeping that, like, a, a centerpiece. Like, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm someone that I love hair. And I love what hair means to a space. And Beyonce is nothing but hair. Hair in the wind, she's coined that damn fan. She's coined it. Obviously, other people have used it. The likes of the J-Lo's and, you know, other incredible female artists. But Beyonce's coined that. So shout out to him. Uh, Fatima Robinson. I tell you what. Fatima, she is. She was the um, uh, choreographer, the director uh, of, of choreography. Fatima has been working with the likes of Aaliyah, Lizzo, like Diddy. Let's not go into him. Um, but Fatima's been around. Mama's been around. Has has um choreographed for TLC. Fatima has been around the block and back and back and back. And the and to know she is still a pivotal force in this industry as a choreographer goes to show you someone of that craft is a classic. You know, you're making such smart moves and you're creating such great artistry through your dance movement through your eye that has lasted this long and someone like Beyonce same thing with her like you've been in the industry for 27 years and she does mention this in the film that it's harder for women to stay current so that's why she gets so choked up and she always says how full she is when she's at her concerts because she literally is like the fact that I'm still relevant and I'm relevant as a black woman now, it's just, it's not often, you know, I have to keep up with this. So to circle back around to Fatima, Fatima's been in the industry and, and in the industry longer than Beyonce because she was a, a, a choreographer and, you know, just a dancer before, you know, Beyonce was on the scene. So shout out to her. And, you know, one step further, shout out to Amari. Amari Marshall was uh, the Renaissance World Tour's dance captain 
We know Ashley Everett to be Beyonce's dance captain, and she has been for several years, several tours. But Amari really stepped up. Um, and also, something that Beyonce mentioned, which is beautiful to hear, was she said, if there was anybody that I would trust my child around, it's Amari. And to segue into the Blue Ivy section, what I won't do is spoil it for you. You need to see it for yourself, but I'll give you a little, like a few bullets. Blue wanted to be in the show. You know, that was all Blue Eyes' idea. Uh, that was all Blue's idea. And she was watching rehearsal, and then she got to a point where she started getting in rehearsal and was asking Amari if she could teach her. And Amari was already teaching the rest of them, so obviously she taught Blue as well. And when Blue started to know enough of the choreography, she went to Beyonce and was like, Mom, you know, I really want to be in the show. And Beyonce initially said no. And for parental reasons, and I would say in some ways the right, re the right reasons of, you know what, and always the right reasons, you're a parent, is I'm trying to protect you. You're 11 years old. I don't want you to be out here. I don't want you to be overwhelmed. I don't want you to deal with a lot of the hardships that is this business. I just want you to be my daughter. Like, I, I, I don't want her to be in it. Like, I, and I understood it. And she, you know, goes into it a little bit further. Blue kept rehearsing and kept making sure she could prove her mom wrong that she really could do this. And so she asked again. And at this point, she was like, mom, I really have been rehearsing. Like, I know I can do this. And so Beyonce said, fine, you can do one show. And for me personally, I was so grateful that one show was my first show which was the Paris show. That's when she first popped out. And Blue did such a great job. Like you were in front of an audience of tens of thousands of people. Your mom is the biggest star in the world. Like you are selling out fucking stadiums of 50 to 80,000 people depending on the stadium. So Blue really held her own. But they go into detail of you know, some of the ridicule that, you know, Blue and Beyonce got wind of. And at one point, Beyonce just was like, okay, well, we said we would just do it one time. Let's not do it anymore because I don't want you to get hurt by this process. And it was Blue, I it was Blue Ivy's idea to say, no, I want to keep going. So I don't, I don't even want to, you know what? I don't even want to go further than that because I really want you to have, and I, I want you to have a moment to hear Blue say it herself because Blue is talking in... She has her own interview, her own commentary over all of it. Like, she's such a sweetheart. She's a, she's such a great kid. You know, it's it, she's also in that kind of industry where she's a little adult, you know? So she's extremely articulate. She knows what she's talking about. And she's very respectful. She's very humble. But that is a highlight that, you know, it made me, it made me you know, cry a little bit. You know, I shed a little thug tear. So I think that y'all would really like that moment. And speaking of family... When she talked about Uncle Johnny, that was another thing that really warmed my heart. And as a, you know, black gay male, it's obviously not easy for us, you know, when it comes to wanting to come out, knowing that we're gay, you know, living in a household where you are in a religious household where that's completely shunned upon. But also we already have enough struggle as black people. And then you bring in another struggle. And with Uncle Johnny, you are black and gay in the 50s. Nigga. Like, I mean, come on. Like, oh, Jesus. So a highlight that I took from that, because he was such an influence to 
this album, but he's been an influence to Beyonce since Destiny's Child. Actually, period. It's her, it's her uncle. That's Tina Knowles' brother. But what I really enjoyed hearing was the family knew that there was something there, but didn't talk about it. And what Uncle Johnny and what Tina Knowles' mom did was she knew how to sew. And so she taught Johnny how to sew and said, look, if you can make somebody beautiful, they will love you forever. And that was their way of saying, express yourself through these clothes, right? You may not be able to do it out here on the streets and be all of that, but like do it in the clothes, do it in a clothes, like show all of who you are, show all of your personality. And obviously he had a personality. They said Uncle Johnny was the type, walk in the room, you knew he was in the room, had that kind of charisma, which is great. But I loved how the family channeled what they knew was a really scary factor, especially in the 50s and the 60s, you know, overall of that could be possible death if, death if the wrong people caught wind that like find another avenue of how you channel this. And uh, something that was also really cool is that Beyonce is wearing a dress that it was Uncle Johnny's last dress that he made for her in this portion. So when you see it and she'll show you, you know, obviously the gown as well, like when she first, first wore it, when she was like, I think it was a prom photo. It's something that's really beautiful and it's a full circle. So that really warm, warm, warmed my heart. Let me kind of, let me end with two things. Let me end with two things. We're going to do a little fashion real fast because I'm, I really, I love fashion. And bruh, like Beyonce at the end of the film played a new song. And when I say I was bootlegging and shit, because I was like, Beyonce may not put this out anytime soon. So I was just recording it and was like, yo, I don't know what this is, but I know that's mama going off. But Beyonce dropped a new song today called My House and it's over and out and out and over. And we're going to go over that as well. So, so let's go with the fashion. Let's say two things. Most recognizable iconic look is Lueve. When I say I like Lu, I've actually not like, I do love Lueve as a brand. Lueve has a really smart and sharp way of how they have really great quality garments that could teeter on kind of clean cut, preppy, well tailored, you know, sometimes understated looks. But then they come out the gate with something avant-garde. And with them having the hands over, you know, the intimate parts of your body. I just loved that fucking jumpsuit. And like I said, it's one of those, it's an iconic capsule museum kind of piece. Everybody, everybody that knows that world tour knows that jumpsuit. So in terms of like the look that wins for most recognizable capsule piece, the Lueve jumpsuit that she did in like champagne, red and silver wins, takes the cake. But my favorite outfit, bar none, was the Poochie jumpsuit. So it was kind of like, and I hope I don't butcher this, it was an archival, I think it was like Giardino, Giardino, I think it's Giardino, Giardino print, that it's like a base magenta or like fire, almost hot pink base with all these different patterns that kind of wrap around the jumpsuit. And then they accent it with this really beautiful bedazzled 
kind of like body chain that goes down Beyonce's kind of stomach and torso and drops on her hips. When I say it, it's, it's in the cuffet. It starts in the cuffet space. We're in the cuffet like scene. And when I say that takes the cake for cake for my favorite, that is my favorite look. Now, mind you, there are a lot of other honorable mentions. There is a designer that their dress showed up in the Atlanta show, which that's where I'm from. Like that, you know, Rep ATAO is, is it Gurav Gupta made these really beautiful gowns and, and they were in different colors because she wore two different versions of them in Atlanta. My favorite one was this very like electrifying, almost neon green. And then other designers that are honorable mentions. And I love that she she really put the black fashion houses out there like Telfar and Brandon Blackwood. They also made looks that were for the Cuffet set inside the concert. And then Nina Rucci, Mama Never Slips. She always puts together something sensual, something sexy, but like classic, you know, where she mixes lace and velvet and well-structured feminine silhouettes and just creates bangers. Rick Owens, Marc Jacobs, Balenciaga, Gucci, like the girls really came out and there are obviously a lot of other brands. Actually, oh, Mugler, come on. The only beehive outfit, or I'm sorry, the only bumblebee outfit that mattered in America Has a Problem was Mugler. That is it. That's over with. That's out. That was the only one that mattered. And then Jean-Paul Gaultier, I'm sorry, Jean-Paul Gaultier had another outfit that was a killer for me. So there were just so many great fashion moments. And for her to pop out that motherfucking toaster in every city of 56, well, I think 56, 57 cities with a new outfit alone meant something. But what really does it for me overall is when I see outfit changes, it's not just the fact that, oh, that's cool. You put on a new outfit. It's really the fact that when you put on a new outfit, you change the landscape and you refresh the scene. Like, obviously, we're in the same stadium, you know, this whole entire time. Like, we get that. But when you come out in your next act and you also dress for that act, it refreshes that space. You know what I'm saying? It's almost like the concert starts all over again, like an act two, act three, act four. Like, here goes something different. Here goes something else. So when artists don't switch it up in that way, it's not for the sake of like, oh, I want you to show me new fashions. No, I want you to reset the scene. You know, it keeps the experience fresh. It keeps you on your toes. Beyonce did a stellar, impeccable job of that. Really, really dig. I mean, it was just cosmic. It really, really was. So last talking point, my house. Beyonce Black. Like, if y'all didn't know that, I mean, we get that she's fluorescent beige. Mama's black. Like, she's so black. And I, and I love everything about that. I really, I mean, like, oh, I love ever. I love everything about it. This song is so fucking hype. This makes me want to fake fight in the club. Like, this gives me um a crime mob. Um, uh, Nook, if you buck, wide up, if you buck. And I don't mean that in the sense of like how it sounds, but it's that it's that feeling of like walking a club, shaking my dreads like, oh, yeah, yo, it I don't it's so hype. And you know what it really is? It's so HBCU. And I never went to an HBCU college it's called what it is. I dropped out of school. So let's just let's start there. Um, but I never went to an HBCU. Two of my best friends went to HBCU. So I was really lucky to be around it. 
but I, you know, didn't experience it personally. But my house is a two-parter. It starts out with this like nasty beat. And she is rapping, but she's rapping with like hand on her crotch type rap, like rapping. You know what I'm saying? Like a stud on the left, like left fang tooth type rapping. And it's just so refreshing. It's so grimy. And then it blends into this just like soft cunt, like renaissance coded, get the fuck up out my house type vibe. And she does say that exact word. You have to download it. You have to hear it. You have to hear it. You have to hear it. You know what it, you know what it really gives me? Just kind of one of those. I just wanted y'all to have something. I just wanted y'all to have a little something extra with the, with the, with the, um, with the film. And it's like when she dropped Black Parade during, you know, our second resurgence of a civil rights movement, you know, with the Black Lives Matter in 2020, she dropped Black Parade just like, just so y'all niggas know. Also, it was around the same time that she did the, uh, the gift for, uh, the Lion King. But this song, I, here, listen to, listen to it. Come, please, please, please do the due diligence of listening to it. But y'all, I just, I'm excited for y'all. If y'all haven't had a chance to see the film, if you haven't had a chance to listen to the new song, My House by Beyonce, it's a must. Both sides of it is a must. Please take friends, family, get inspired. That's what this movie is about. Get inspired. 2023 has been a very cumbersome year. It's been a year of resilience and not a lot of lights at the end of the tunnel. And this is one of those moments that definitely gave that light at the end of the tunnel at the end of the tunnel for me. It was something that just made me fall in love with life in a different way. You know, especially the fact that I'm I'm in my own growing pains and figuring out what I want to be my next steps. And a part of me creating these podcasts is it, you know, digging to the fact that I love music and, you know, I have a personality that I want to share with the world. I have a, a persona that I want to share with the world. I, I want to be a part of something that is greater than just a nine to five that I am just kind of working for somebody else and working for, you know, their benefit instead of my own benefit. And this film activates all sides of my creativity, all sides of my love for myself, all sides of my appreciation for my culture. You really, I, I promise y'all, you gotta see it. You're gonna love it. Anyway, let me wrap up, y'all. That is episode two of the Music uh, Munch. I will catch y'all on the next one. <laughs>